Would you love me? Would you love me? Could you love me? Do you love me? Could you love me for all I am? Because you are, because I'm not. Would you love me? Could you love me? Would you love me? For all I am Happy Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you're enjoying it. Personally, Thanksgiving is great, but my first love is Christmas. And what I like best about Thanksgiving is that it sort of introduces the Christmas season. This time of year is far and away my favorite time of year. I love everything about it. I love that it gets dark earlier. I love, I love seeing the Christmas lights in the evening. I love just being home and enjoying my Christmas tree. I love Christmas movies and specials. I love listening to Christmas music. I love choosing gifts and sending Christmas cards. I love the wonder and excitement of children. I love the magic in the air. I love Starbucks Christmas cups. <laughs> I am sold out for Christmas, and you may be like me and love it all too, or you may not, but even if you're not a big fan, you could probably admit that there are aspects and elements of it that you appreciate and enjoy. Of course, what makes it all so special is that it only comes once a year, forming a season for us. And all of us can agree it's a very special season, a season of grace. In fact, and this is my own theory, not official church teaching, but I think in this season before Christmas there are particular graces available to us that are not available any other time of the year. Anyway, today we're starting our Advent series, even though I know, I know, it is not quite Advent yet because of the way the calendar falls this year, it actually isn't Advent yet. Nevertheless, we're beginning a new series precisely about grace. Grace is a gift. It's a gift from God, and we experience grace when God acts in our lives and accomplishes what we could never accomplish all alone and on our own. So over the next four weeks, we're going to look at grace and our relationship to it. To help us out and get started, we're going to look at a passage from the prophet Ezekiel. This passage offers three facts about God's grace, three facts essential to grasp if we're really going to successfully and consistently participate in grace. The passage uses a very effective metaphor that despite the fact that it's thousands of years old and most of us have 
no practical experience of the reference, for some reason, still speaks to our hearts. But before getting into the passage, let me offer a little background on Ezekiel. His name means God strengthens. Ezekiel was an Old Testament prophet whose preaching and teaching was all about warning and strengthening God's people. He lived in a very difficult and challenging time in Israel's history, about 600 years before Christ's birth. In his lifetime, he saw the powerful Babylonian Empire conquer his city of Jerusalem in the year 597, and then utterly destroy the city ten years later, forcing many of its residents, including Ezekiel, into exile. So the first part of his book is very challenging as Ezekiel tries to warn the nation of what's coming, of what would happen because of their disregard of God and their reckless and self-destructive behavior. But the second half, written to a suffering people after the fact, is more encouraging. Ezekiel works to comfort the people in exile and promises that God will redeem them from the consequences of their faults and failures. The passage we're looking at today comes from that portion of the book, giving some clear and concrete examples of just how God's grace can play out in our lives. So the passage begins, Thus says the Lord God, I myself will look after and tend my sheep. That's the metaphor that I mentioned, a shepherd tending his sheep. It's a metaphor that runs throughout Scripture in today's gospel, for instance, but perhaps most famously in the 23rd Psalm. You know it. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Often it's used at funerals as comfort for the grieving. The idea is comforting. Even if you're not a Christian or a Christ follower, you might know that verse and feel attracted to it. Why? I mean, most of us have never worked as a shepherd or even met one. It's also interesting because the job of a shepherd, while probably hipster cool these days, was looked down upon in biblical times. Shepherds were more or less outcasts from society because they couldn't possibly serve as shepherds and maintain the rituals and rules of their religion. The two were mutually exclusive. Shepherds, for instance, couldn't maintain ritual cleanliness and tend sheep at the same time. It was simply impossible. That's why, by the way, it was so extraordinary that the announcement of Christ's birth would be given first to shepherds. And yet, the image of a shepherd leading his sheep speaks to our hearts. Perhaps it speaks to our desire for someone looking out for us, someone stronger than us looking out for our needs. Think about it. Without a shepherd, sheep are easily preyed upon by predators. Without a shepherd, they wander away into danger, simply get lost. Without a shepherd, they don't know where to graze and often can't even know enough to lie down and rest. Sheep need a shepherd for protection, direction, and provision. So. Here's the first fact to know about opening ourselves up to God's grace. Receiving grace begins 
with accepting the fact that we are like sheep. It's true. We are like sheep. Now, it's a metaphor for sure, so there are limits to it. Of course, we're nothing like sheep in most every way, but we are like sheep in our need for a shepherd. And in our heart of hearts, we know it. We know we need one. We desire one. We open ourselves up to God's grace when we accept His invitation to be our shepherd. Why? Why do we need a shepherd? He tells us. I will rescue my sheep from every place where they are scattered, where they are scattered. You can imagine how these words would have spoken to the hearts of the people who heard them for the first time, because the Jewish people were scattered, literally, in exile. They'd been forced to leave their homeland and live in a foreign land where they were despised and abused and where they didn't even know the language. We can be scattered. We can be scattered physically and literally for sure, but more often mentally, emotionally. Maybe, maybe you feel scattered. Maybe you feel scattered because you're busy all the time. You're trying to manage kids, which is managing kids' schedules and getting them where they need to go, and it's a lot. Maybe you feel scattered. Because your family is scattered. Your kids have chosen colleges elsewhere. Your adult children have relocated. It hurts your heart. Maybe you feel scattered because you feel pulled between home life and work life, and you never feel fully present to either. Maybe you feel scattered because exams are coming up, and it's really stressful. Maybe you feel scattered because you've lost a loved one or had some bad news from your doctor leaving you frightened and alone. Maybe you feel scattered because the holidays are here, they're here, and all the unmet expectations and family drama amplify the stress and tension you're already feeling. We can be scattered, and we live in a scattered culture at a scattered time. We need a shepherd. The second fact about grace, grace meets us wherever we are, whatever we need. When sheep wander off and scatter, they can eventually become so overwhelmed that they can't move. The shepherd has to actually pick them up and carry them back to the sheepfold. God's grace means that God meets you where you are, not where you should be or feel you should be. God comes to us when we're scattered, whatever, however we're scattered. And in His grace, God wants to help us focus on what's most important, what's most needed, and release us from what's unimportant, what isn't really needed. Take a look. He promises, I will feed them with good pasture. They shall lie down in good grazing land. They shall feed on the mountains. What's that about? Well, as I mentioned earlier, sheep need the shepherd to find good pasture for grazing. Ezekiel promises that God leads his sheep to precisely such blessing. It's a blessing of abundance. And the reference to mountain heights suggests a peaceful and safe place of blessing and abundance. 
But even that's not all. The promises continue. I myself will give them rest. The lost I will seek out. The strayed I will bring back. The injured I will bind up. The sick I will heal. Notice all the different graces, the different kinds of graces, the different ways that grace can meet us. The grace of rest when weary, the grace of being found when lost, the grace of care when wounded, the grace of healing when sick. Grace can meet us wherever we have scattered and whatever we need. Then there's a third fact about grace mentioned in Ezekiel. The sleek and the strong I will punish. What does that mean? On the surface, it sounds harsh. After all, we receive God's grace precisely in the hope of growing healthier and growing stronger. So why would he talk about punishing the healthy and the strong? Well, the insinuation is that he's referring to people who use their prosperity and power to oppress those who are weak. These are people who selfishly fail to turn their blessing into blessing for others. That's what Matthew describes in today's gospel reading, a reading that's usually called the judgment of the nations, the people who showed grace to others, those who are hungry and thirsty, those who are needy and alone. Precisely those people will enjoy the rewards of heaven and the benefits of grace. People, on the other hand, who keep their gifts for themselves, for their own selfish convenience and comfort, eventually cut themselves off from grace. And that's the third fact about grace. We receive grace so that we may extend grace. God's grace first comes to us in our own lives and then is meant to flow through us. We're conduits of God's grace. And as we open ourselves up, to extending grace, we have the capacity to receive even more grace. That's the whole pattern of grace. This weekend, we're celebrating the Feast of Christ the King, marking the end of the liturgical year with that reading that we mentioned from Matthew, the judgment of the nations, describing the end of time and the coming of Christ, the King of the universe in power and glory. Ironically, Advent, which follows this season, introduces a period of preparation for Christ's coming in time, in history, at Christmas. So we're going to use this season to prayerfully position ourselves to recognize and receive God's grace. And to help you out, we have a gift for you today, a brand new daily devotional we've written again this year as we have in recent years, the devotional brings a brief daily reading and reflection for each day of the season of Advent and then Christmas. Pick one up on your way out. It's our gift to you today and pray it daily, just three minutes a day. Think about it. If the whole parish joins in in praying the same daily prayer, that's a mighty, powerful prayer. If you're at home, you can find it on Amazon. The title is Messages of Patience for Advent and Christmas. Get one for yourself. Maybe get one for someone else who perhaps needs a little extra grace this Christmas time. Receiving, recognizing and receiving grace is first and foremost 
about prayer. You know, we can't demand grace. We don't deserve it. We'll never ever earn it. We can't earn it. But we can position ourselves to recognize it and to receive it. And that's what Advent is about, positioning ourselves to recognize and receive the grace and favor of God. Thanks so much for watching. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss a single video. You can be a part of our mission to love God, love others, and make disciples simply by sharing this video. We are so grateful you are a part of this community.